Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 240 are open. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. After six weeks of not doing the show since the game launched, I finally get to put my thoughts out there. And uh, also talk about some things I'm going to get up to in 2023 for those that are interested in the future of the House of Mario and the YouTube channel. But I hope you're all going well and I hope you've had a fantastic holiday and a Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. I know that my family and I have had a tremendous Christmas and we're looking forward to 2023. Um, New Year's are approaching. I'm recording this on the Wednesday coming up to New Year's. We've got a couple of days left for 2022. It's not old news yet. We've still got some things to do in 2022. Like, um, I don't know, not much, hopefully. That's the plan with the little bit of time off. Go back to work on the 4th. So, got a little, little bit more time off than I thought. I thought I was going to be jumping straight back into it. But um, I'm glad that I got some time off. I definitely needed it over the last few months. I know that. And um, I want to address something right off the bat. I, I want to apologize in, in some ways, but... It is what it is when you're, I guess, a, a small solo creator. It's just like, you know, the last six weeks I haven't been putting out podcasts. And that wasn't because I didn't enjoy it. That wasn't because I didn't care about entertaining you guys or filling in some whatever moments in your life. The House of Mario comes in useful. But, um, you know, just work became so flat out and also home life as well with Lucas, you know, my 10-month-old son. Um, just becoming a lot more mobile, a lot more work, and um, it sort of all just snowballed. And you know, the podcast, unfortunately, was, was one of the first things that um, stops because still got to uh, still got to do family stuff, still got to go to work. And unfortunately, the podcast, you know, stopped for about six weeks, and I really missed it. And I'm so happy today that I'm sat at my desk, which I haven't sat at for a fair while. And I'm able to do this. I'm able to talk about Nintendo and the things I love and do podcasting. I really, really enjoy it. So I hope um, I can sort of fill you guys in and on what happened. But definitely just, you know, just commitments come up. And, um, you know, it, it frustra- frustrates me in some ways because this time of year as well, like I rely on podcasts to get me through some tough days to, you know, some more mundane moments or some, you know, sort of a tougher. Tough moments when you're sharing that, you're tired, you're grumpy, you just need something else to distract you, some people talking about some stuff that you really love to, um, you know, get you through the day and, you know, ultimately that is, that's what I do as a podcaster and I wish I could have been there, you know, through November and December, but um, it is what it is. I hope I'm finding your ears well um, throughout the holidays. But of course, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, one of my most anticipated games throughout the whole year launched and played it that um that same day it came out and i wasn't able to talk about it i didn't have anyone to talk about it to not an audience so i just uh, sort of played it and went that was fun i felt like a normal sort of a normal user for once but it is what it is but i got a lot to talk about that game we'll be diving into that but i really want to bring up this little contraption i put together for my guru geek out and this is going back to the Black Friday sales in November. So a little bit, a little while ago now, but it took a little bit to come in the post. But I put together a TV trolley. And if you're watching the video on youtube.com slash iDruby, you'll be able to see it in the background. But what I've done is I've got a 42-inch TV, um, that, that LG uh, C2 
um, OLED TV was, I've been looking at it for, for a while and it was like 900 bucks off. So I'm like, all right, you know, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to finally get a 4K TV. It's not a big TV, but I wanted a nice small one. And I went on Amazon and also got like this TV trolley, which has um, some basically some, I guess, some shelves underneath it. And what I've done is I put the TV on that and it's got all three consoles on the shelves. So the Switch, Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. And I've hooked it up so um, I can just wheel it around the house. Because if you've been with me throughout 2022, you know that I went on a bit of a bit of an unfortunate trip to, I guess, import a Steam Deck into Australia. They're not sold here, so we can't just buy them as is. We've got to try and import it through eBay or some other some other way because I really wanted to play some games that weren't available on Switch, like, you know, stuff like, you know, um, <laughs> what was I thinking? Um, Tales of Arise and a bunch of stuff that I was like, it'd be great to have that on Switch and like Elden Ring and whatever. And... Wanted to get through some of those games, but unfortunately the eBay um, listing that I went through was a scam. So that kind of scared me off a little bit. So, you know, the Steam Deck wasn't the uh, the method to basically get my gaming really convenient. You know, just picking up the Switch is super convenient. I tend to get through games a lot quicker if they are available on Switch, even if they are, if they, even if they do take a graphical hit and all that, I don't usually mind as much. Um, but I really wanted to get more use out of the consoles because just playing on the main TV, I just don't, I just didn't use them as much. Um, so that's where this comes in. I've got this little trolley on wheels and a lot of people point out that it looks like uh, maybe your TV trolley, you might you might have seen in primary school where it's like, all right, it's time to watch a, was it BTN News or some kids news thing or uh, maybe a movie in the, in the, just leading up to the holidays. And uh, especially, you know, I was... Um, I graduated high school in 2012. So a lot of the TVs back when I was in primary school were the big um, CRTs. I used to wheel them in. And uh, yeah, they had a certain vibe about it. This doesn't quite have that vibe. I think this is a lot cooler. You know, it's a, it's a flat screen TV. It's got three consoles underneath it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the last month or so, it's really sort of improved my gaming, especially on Xbox and PlayStation. How... You know, I can just, I can wheel it around my office depending on where I want it. And I'm going to use it for streaming, streaming games from consoles. Um, I had it um, in our bedroom, which I've never had a TV in my bedroom in my life. Like, but I'm able to wheel it just to the end of the bed, play games, watch YouTube. And then say, I'm in the lounge room, Chantel's watching something. And I'm sure those of you out there who have partners, you don't really want to be like, all right, I'm going to go into the separate room and do gaming because... I don't know. It just feels, I don't. It feels bad to isolate it, like each other um, in that way, and I always feel guilty. You know, I'm sure we can all relate to that. So I usually get the switch out or something, and that's great for playing in handheld mode. But I do miss like just sitting in front of a nice TV and playing like a nice, beautiful game. Like um, on the PlayStation side, I got a War. I've been playing a lot of Forza Horizon Five. Um, the DLC actually, I, I bought the DLC when the game came out at the end of um, last year and uh, they brought out Hot Wheels DLC and I actually missed Hot Wheels DLC in Forza Horizon 3 back in 2016, I believe it was. Yeah, so, um, you know, getting to play games that I've, that I've got but I just didn't really get access to that much. 
And um, yeah, it's been great, man. It's just been great. Just like, oh, I'm going to play something. You literally just wheel around this little thing, wheel it out, turn on the console and um, start playing. It's also my first 4K TV as well, which is interesting. Um, it, it kind of puts... Um, my, my perspective on the Switch was like, I always... Um, you know, you obviously notice the frame rate and um, well, like the graphic side of things, but you know, I never had a 4K TV, so I never like got the the most out of a PS5 or a Series X. But now, just like swapping between them, it's pretty pretty noticeable between even just the menus of each of the consoles. Just the fact that the Switch isn't 4K, but it it only takes a couple of seconds, honestly, to readjust to 1080p. Like I was playing Mario Golf with a good mate of mine that came over to visit his family um, down down here a couple of days ago. So boot up some Mario Golf and like oh you like at at first you don't have that real nice crisp look to it, but at the same time it's not such a big deal. It still looks nice and all of that. So it hasn't been too much of a de facto, but definitely would love to see Nintendo games in 4K now. But I'm in the the modern era. It's been. It's been a long time 4K TVs have been out, but now I've finally got one on wheels and I can wheel it around. Absolutely love it. Also got like a Mac mini set up to it too. So I can literally stream, record footage, um, emulate uh, old games. I'm really keen to basically make this thing a GameCube, (laughs) which is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to be like playing GameCube games and widescreen, 1080p, all that type of thing. Um, so I really am quite proud of this little gaming setup I've, I've put together that is portable, can be wheeled around the house and um, utilized to the best of my ability. Just can't have it around my son. He will tip it over. So that is something to keep in mind when he's, uh, he's playing during the day. The TV, that goes into a different room. That gets wheeled away because, um, yeah, he will hold on to it to try and balance. He will try and climb up it. He will try and eat the cords. So pretty important that he doesn't get access to it that way. But super stoked with it. I think um, if anybody wants to check it out, like a, just like a photo or something, just go to my Twitter at iDruby. I posted it on there. And I think a lot of people are sort of like, huh, that's strange. But trust me, guys, if if I just got a TV and I put it in the corner of this room and be like, all right, I just hook up um, the Series X and that, it probably wouldn't get used for the reasons that I said. Just like I don't want to you know, leave my partner just like, by herself every night. You know, I, I want to try and play games um, every night, you know, try and get through some some titles and um, especially since, you know, doing the podcast and that, I've found that, especially when I'm a bit busier, you know, the gaming goes down, but you, you still need something, you know, to sort of talk about, especially when it's just yourself. So super stoked with it. Um, check it out. If you've got any questions, if you want to put your own together, I'm more than happy to send you a link or anything to um, the Amazon sort of um, cart that I used. It was like 170 bucks for the actual um, trolley itself. So not too bad. Not too bad at all. And the one that I got actually had enough shelves for everything that I needed. Some only have like a little bit of a shelf for like a laptop or whatever because it's, I guess... It, I guess it's assumed that this is for like conferencing, like a conference sort of a office sort of setup showing uh, statistics and graphs and all that. But no, I'm playing some bloody video games. Loving it. Um, so yeah, I'm using it at the moment just for the video version of this. I've just got some Nintendo trailers playing in the background. Just why not? Just wheel it around. I can do what I want with it. <laughs> so if I'm streaming, you might expect to uh, see me playing from this. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. And um, yeah, yeah. 
Nice stuff. I don't have any other. I didn't bring any. I don't really have any show notes for this episode, guys. I just sort of, um, you know, jumped from the microphone. I've got op- an opportunity while Lucas is at his grandparents and uh, Chantel is actually out doing her own thing as well. So um, great opportunity for me to sit down and just um, sort of get some things off my chest and, yeah, let you know that I'm not dead. But um, I'm really excited to, I guess, share my thoughts for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And especially when the games first came out, there was a lot of hub blue about what's going on with these games. They barely work. Like, is this a slideshow? Is this one of those books where you just flip through the pages and it's an animation? Um, what, like, what's going on here? And it's it's kind of unfortunate because what Game Freak have done with Pokemon Violet, Violet, <laughs> Scarlet and Violet. Um, They've made an absolutely wonderful game. They really have. And it's a title that I just lost myself in and really enjoyed. Um, A main highlight being the brand new Pokemon that they have created for this game that have, you know, I guess a cool, cool, the new region Paldea home. And going through it, I really enjoyed it. But we cannot sort of look away from the technical hiccups and everything in this game. But... I know it's kind of boring to talk about the sort of technical stuff. It's been talked to death, but I do want to bring up that a little bit later. But as far as the actual game itself and how Pokemon has attempted to make a open world game with no loading screens apart from a couple of areas um, that are, you know, big separate areas, um, I think they've done a great job, honestly. And going from like Pokemon Sword and Shield, personally... I've got a really, really soft spot for Pokemon Sword and Shield. I hear some other people saying they didn't even get through it because it was the same thing or it was shit or it wasn't good or whatever their explanation, that, that's great. Personally, for me, Pokemon Sword and Shield, while it was safe and while the wild area was very much an experiment within a standard Pokemon game at a more open world sort of construct and open camera and all of that, I really love the themes and everything that the Gala region represents. You know, I've, I've always had a real soft spot for the UK. I think growing up with um, Thomas the Tank Engine, um, my mum's family being from the UK, um, you know, cartoons like Wallace and Gromit and Bill and Ben, and there's a bunch of things. I really like what the UK represents, especially being like a football fan as well and just how seriously they take their, their sport. I think it's awesome. And all of that, all of that atmosphere was sort of encapsulated in the Galar region, especially with like the gym leaders representing like a, like a natural league with moving um, moving ladders. So gym leaders come in and out depending on you know whether they can hold their titles. And you're going into stadiums. You've got you know the jerseys with the different gym leaders, different types. Um, I think Sword and Shield was great and it represented a lot of great things, especially with the DLC that came after it. And, uh, you know, with the Crown Tundra, with the Gala um, legendary birds from Generation 1. Um, there's a lot to love of Pokemon Sword and Shield. But moving to Legends Arceus, I feel like that was a great step. And um, while it was... Um, it turned out to be a lot of a, lot more of a, a different step than I would have expected to Scarlet and Violet. Um, when Scarlet and Violet was first announced, I kind of expected a lot of the elements from Legends Arceus to be, you know, pretty similar, um, like integrated into the Generation 9 games. But that wasn't the case. These are very different games. And I think 
even to the point where different people might um, like each title differently. And I want to talk a little bit about what makes each game different and why certain aspects of Legends of Arceus aren't in a Scarlet and Violet and vice versa, but just uh, the overall sort of thoughts about um, what I thought about my 35 hours with Pokemon Violet. <laughs> Violet. I don't know why I'm saying Violet. <laughs> That's a good. Uh, that's a good way to sort of um, condense it, I guess. Just say violet, but um, I don't like how that sounds. Violet, no. um, scarlet, and violet. Um, I had an absolutely, like I said, a wonderful time um, just experiencing it. It's been like the first couple of hours. It is very much just setting up the story, um, getting into the point of getting to the open world, and while that was a bit of a slog. Because with Scarlet and Violet, I honestly don't like the theming of the of the story. I guess I don't like that you're at school. I don't particularly like that, like you look like a toddler <laughs> with your little bucket hat running around. Even to the point where you can customize your character, but you can't customize it enough to not look like a five year old. And I know that like you become a Pokemon trainer technically in this world when you're ten, and that. That basically means that all of your characters from Pokemon Red and Blue all the way to these games now, you are playing as a 10-year-old. And I don't know if that's because I'm getting older myself and now at 28, I'm looking back being like, I really don't want to play as a kid. I want to play as a 28-year-old <laughs> or a 20-year-old or just an adult in general um, exploring this world. But that's just a personal thing for me where it's like I, I didn't like the theming pretty much from the first trailer. I'm like, oh, I don't like the whole – it looks – a little bit too kitty, And that's coming from someone who loves Pokemon. <laughs> but um, I don't know if anybody else feels similar to that, but that's just something that personally for me, I didn't like that much. It's just the aesthetic and the whole school sort of setup. Um, but you do get to the point where it, where you're basically on a treasure hunt and that's when you go off and you can experience the open world for yourself. Do the gyms in any order. You can do, um, you can, yeah. What is it? The gyms, the team star battles, and also the Titans. So there's, yeah, there's five Titans. And I really enjoyed that aspect. And for me, since, um, since Sun and Moon on 3DS, all I wanted to do was it go into the Pokemon world and just live there and do what I want. And this game finally offers um, something that I've been wanting for for years and years. Because with Sun and Moon, it was, uh, it was go to a town. Someone comes up to you, talk, 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 talk. I'm like, okay, okay. It's just fluff. It's just blah, 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 blah. And don't get me wrong. Those games have good stories, you know, especially towards the end with the Ultra Beasts and all that. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of the dialogue is just fluff and just reading it, reading it, reading it. You just sort of, you get tired of it. It's, um, it's, it's draining and you just want to, all right, I want to go into this route, see what's there, catch Pokemon, do battles, level up. And there's just a lot in between that. Whereas now in 2022 with Scarlet and Violet, we, we can just do what we want and catch Pokemon and experience the world for what it is. We've literally no one talking to you, which is, um, which is something I've been wanting for a long time. And even to the point, I think I got my third gym badge after 20 something hours of playing the game. And I really, really appreciated that because when I first got the game, I actually... I avoided all of the leaks. I know um, friends of mine, they basically went through the list of Pokemon and they chose out who they want on their team and they'll find them. 
Um, but for me, I didn't see any leaks. And the leaks that I did see turned out to be Pokemon that were um, all like already announced by that time. Like I knew Giraffe Rig was going to get an evolution. I knew some other things, but they, they got it confirmed anyway. So it wasn't so much of a big deal, but I, um, I, that was my favorite part of the opening hours of this game is just running around and going like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and like, you know, running into it, initiating a battle and like, oh my God, that is awesome. And even um, like, I was just like exploring the world and checking out what's going on. And I come across this cave and I noticed that um, they're all like level 38 and my Pokemon are like level 20. I'm like, oh my God, this is, um, this is scary, but it's also a great leveling like leveling up experience for me. I can really grind out my Pokemon. And this is, this is the point where I just decided, all right, let's just stay here for a little bit. I'm going to grind out every new Pokemon. I do not know what it's going to evolve into. And this was a really, this was, I've never had this experience in my life playing Pokemon. Just be like, all right, let's, uh, let's level it up. And I don't know what level it will evolve. I don't know if it even will evolve, to be honest. There was a couple that just, you know, they had a two-stage evolution and that was it. And I was kind of expecting a third, but I didn't get it. <laughs> Even like level 60, I'm like, All right, I, I don't think this thing's going to evolve. But um, I started off with Quaxley and I didn't know what Quaxley was going to evolve into. And I knew that it was only a certain amount of hours or days until people start posting the evolutions of their Pokemon on Twitter. So I'm like, all right, it's time. I've, I've got to evolve my Pokemon. And... I was grinding in one of the first areas, evolves at level 16 to Quaxwell. I'm like, okay, like it, it evolves into a bigger duck. And I'm trying to like guess what the final evolution is going to be. I, che I see that it says like practice Pokemon. I'm like, okay, it's going to practice like fighting or whatever. And I wasn't too far off. It evolves and in, evolves into what's his name? Uh, Quax, Quax, Quavel. I forgot its name. I don't know why I forgot its name. It's like my first. Uh, it's my starter Pokemon. It should be my my kindred soulmate. But um, I evolved that in the cave. Finally got it to level thirty six. I was you know pretty pretty high above uh, the next gym, um, which is always a good feeling being being stronger than the gym leaders. And I didn't know what to think at, at first. I'm like, do I like Quaxquavel? I know some people like looking at looking after at people's opinions and what they think. A lot of people don't like it. I don't mind it. I, I can't say I'm in love with Quaxley's final evolution, but it's definitely not like, oh yeah, this is this is my boy. This is uh this is my partner for life. Next Pokemon game, I'm gonna be quite happy to pick another <laughs> another partner. Um, I I was much happier in uh Legends Arceus with my Oshawott and my my Samurott. Um, I was that 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 was my boy. Um, Quaxquavel's not not so much my boy. Um, but the other starters too, I don't know, the final evolutions, they got to warm up on me a little bit. Um, I quite, I actually don't have them yet, to be honest. I haven't completed the Pokedex yet. And uh, I think uh, I've got some friends um, that can give me some eggs, but I haven't really uh, focused too much on completing the Pokedex just yet. But I, I, I certainly need the starter Pokemon to grow on me a little bit. And um, even in Sword and Shield, I'm, I'm not sort of mad on the on the starter Pokemon. I quite like Rillaboom, but that's just because of the, the drum aesthetic like that he's got going with the drums and how it gigantamaxes and just gets a drum kit. I think that's awesome. So I'm really happy I did pick Grookey, but Cinderace and Inteleon, I'm not like crazy about them. Like I don't feel 
as excited as um, you know some of the earlier starters, but might be nostalgia. I'm not quite sure. But um, evolving, one of my favorite experiences as well was evolving Paldane Wooper. And uh, I, I was just, you know, it was just getting experience, just being in my party. I knew that I'd probably use it because a ground poison type was just an absolute fantastic typing. That, and I didn't have any ground or poison types. So just the coverage for fairies and um, all that was just like spot on. And um, when it evolved <laughs> into Clodsire, I wasn't expecting it to evolve into just a completely new Pokemon. I was expecting a Paldean Quagasire. You know, in some ways, just kind of a, a Quagasire, but brown, maybe with those different horns. That's honestly, I, I honestly wasn't expecting anything different than that. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, yeah, just a different Quagsire. But when it evolved and, yeah, um, Clodsire just appeared on my screen, just this big, derpy, I guess, Clod. <laughs> I just audibly like went, what the hell? And it's one of my favorite Pokemon in the whole game. I love it so much. It's absolutely adorable and it was a powerhouse throughout the whole game. And just its ability as well, having water absorb on a ground type. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, just a absolutely fantastic, fantastic Pokemon. But also had, um, what was the dog's name? I've, I keep on forgetting its name. I don't know why. I should get my Switch out to actually um, remember some of my Pokemon. But I had, I had the bakery dog. Um, and that was another Pokemon that I, you know, evolved just in the caves. Just, I wonder what it turns into. And yeah, that was, that was definitely a favorite of mine. Just being like a, a pure fairy type, just being based on like this, just, yeah. What's, what's this previous evolution? Fido? It's just like a doe dog. When it actually like gets cooked and evolves into like, yeah, these like with buns on it. It's, it's really cool. I think the new Pokemon are just absolutely fantastic. I really like them. Um, Maybe, maybe, what about Wiglet? Because like Wiglet, I, I evolved that. I didn't know what it was going to turn into. I assumed it was going to be like a Doug Trio. And um, it, it, I could have guessed the name pretty easily. It evolves into, was it Wug Trio? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, those little heads popping out of a rock. I'm like, oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the new Pokemon. And that was a big highlight just going throughout the open world and um, discovering them. And I do like how you can go wherever you want and the game sort of adjusts the, the rival battles and that as you're going throughout the story. But I think in some ways how the game is scaled is kind of not up the snuff. But at the same time, I don't know exactly what they could or should do to kind of counteract it. Because how the game works is they kind of predict where you're going to go and they sort of order the gyms in that way. So in the first area, they'll have like level 16 gyms and they'll kind of guess where you're going to go. So if it goes to level 24 gyms, level 30, so gyms, and it just sort of predicts where you potentially might go. Um, but for me, it was just uh, completely off because, you know, I spent so long just experimenting, catching Pokemon, um, exploring that, you know, I had a pretty strong party, like relatively quickly. So by the time I got to the normal gym, I just, I, I pretty much just sweeped every single gym. Like I didn't have trouble with any gym. Um, so there was sort of, there was no challenge whatsoever for me, but on a second playthrough, you know, you could just be like, all right, we're going to do each gym or each, uh, you know, challenge or Titan or whatever, like one after another, there's going to be no 
rule grinding. Um, so you, there, there will be methods and ways of actually making the game harder, but um, playing the game just naturally how I want to play it, there was no challenge whatsoever. But at the same time, I don't think there's an elegant situation necessarily to it. I think um, a lot of people brought up like it should scale to your party. And I think that's probably not a great way to do it either. Like if you think about it from the game like the game design perspective of being like, all right, I've got a level 50 in my party because I've I've caught one of the strong terror Pokemon. It doesn't listen to me, but you know, it's level 50. Then if the gym scales to level 50s, then you're just kind of stuck. Well, you're not stuck, but then it's like, all right, well, what's the point of leveling up my Pokemon? What's the point of catching stronger Pokemon? If they're just going to scale to that level anyway, you may as well just go with level fives the whole time. So that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily work for that. Like there's Final... I haven't played um, this Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy VIII, that's been pretty notorious for how that game scales its enemies to your party. And, you know, a lot of people just play that game just like getting as little experience as possible. So it kind of... It, it will change how you play the game. But one way I was thinking of is um, kind of how... Brock approached it in Pokemon Origins, which is a, a spin-off anime series that's based more heavily on the games. And I thought this was quite interesting how like um, the challenger Red goes into the gym and Brock says like, how many badges you got? And the challenger goes, this is this is my first gym battle. And he goes, okay, look, I'll pick this party, which is my Geodude and Onyx at level 12 and 14. Um, but I thought, I think that's an interesting way to do it. Like, it would be more. It would be more effort for Game Freak, I dare say, to give every gym eight different teams, depending on what order you're versing that particular gym in. But I think that could be an interesting way. So, if you go all the way to the strongest gym leader, which is the Ice type trainer, um, if you have one badge, they might say, "Okay, I've got a Snorunt and a Glalie, for example." Um, but if you verse it for your sixth gym battle, they might have five Pokemon at a particular level. And like each badge that you have, um, they have a different party. Um, like I said, that means Game Freak's got to go through and sort of, um, I guess, balance it best they can for eight parties for um, each different um, potential order you play the game in. But I think that'd be interesting. I think that'll be cool. And even to the point where, you know, you might be playing the game and it's it might not work out 100%, like as far as like scaling it and making it a difficult or challenging battle for you. But I think that'll be more interesting than what I come across because I can't remember the particular order that I took, but I think like my first direction, I I versed the, the bug gym leader first and that was like a normal gym battle. I was at the very start of the game. That's fair enough. But then I just went um, north, explored, you know, I come across another gym and, um, just kind of wiped it. But if they had this um, this other sort of way in, in, in progress, I guess, um, it might have been a little bit more interesting because I versed some um, level 16s gym badges when I was uh, like level 50, literally. Um, so that would have been a bit more interesting if they, they had like a few more Pokemon, a few more evolved um, types and all of that. Um, so yeah, I think that's potentially how I would do it, but I'm not a game designer or even uh, work in video games whatsoever. So I don't know if I know anything, but I think that'd be a cool way to sort of take it. And that's been 
that's been a method that's actually been shown in the world of Pokemon through different media before. So that'd be cool if they could implement that in a potential other game because I think what they've done is great. Like it's good that they don't say you've got to do it in this particular order, which they very well could have. That doesn't sound like that much fun, like to be honest. Um, but you know, that there are, there are ways that they can improve on it. So for the next games, I hope that uh, there are some ways that they can uh, implement uh, some improvements. Um, but going on to like, I guess the main gimmick for this game is the terror types, how you can terrestrialize tr- uh, tr- <laughs> uh, your Pokemon into a different type. And I think this is um, a quite an interesting mechanic. Um, and I, I was a big fan of Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And it was, it was a really interesting way of utilizing, you know, different um, different strategies in the metagame, especially as, you know, the gears went on. Um, but ultimately, I just become sick of it because, you know, three years of, you know, that strategy gets a little bit boring and that's fine. Um, so it's good. It's nice to have something new and different. Um, and it'll be interesting to see like what people come up with because um, basically you, what this is, you're changing your type to something completely completely different um, or it might be just uh, yeah, the same type but your moves hit a little bit harder. So it's not like a, it's not like a massive change necessarily for some Pokemon. Like a lot of the Pokemon that you will be using throughout the story, they will be just terrestrializing to a type that they already have unless that you find one of the, the special sparkling glowing Pokemon in the wild that they do have different terror types. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what the meta does. We saw like examples of Tyranitar terrestrializing into a ghost type Pokemon, which uh, basically nullifies its biggest weakness being fighting types, um, which I, I could see being really interesting and in seeing like different move sets try and utilize, you know, ghost moves on a Tyranitar, for example. I think that's really interesting, being a real physical, strong um, Pokemon like that. Like, you know, what type of ghost moves are going to be good for a Tyranitar, which you typically wouldn't look at before. Um, so I'm keen to say that. Like, ultimately, throughout the story, it wasn't that hard, necessarily. So I didn't rely on terrestrializing my Pokemon all that much. Um, but every now and again, it's like, oh, this is going to work out well. You can see that... Um, like if I if I go into say my my Clod Sire, I'm gonna become a pure a pure poison type. So then the grass like grass moves or water moves weren't a weren't a problem because of my ability. But just like times like that where I was like, all right, got to get rid of this certain type and become a pure poison just so I can you know get through a lot more safe. Um, it it works out really well. So I can't wait to see some professional players utilize that a little bit more and maybe even myself if I um, sit down and play it a little bit more, um, get into that. But um, it took me a fair while to finish the game, 35 hours. And, you know, for me, that's not that much time to put into a Pokemon game over that that amount of time. Like I said, you know, just with my son and all of that this time of year. Uh, you know, my gaming time was limited, even with the portability of the Switch that I very much appreciate these days. Um, just for a bit of context, in 2019, I got lucky because uh, I had basically half a day off the day Pokemon Sword and Shield released. So I pre-ordered the game. I played it at 12 o'clock. I got a bit of sleep. I went to work. I played it in my smoke break at work. I think I remember beating the first gym in my smoke break and then went home, um, had a shower, 
sat down, say about twelve o'clock on the couch, um, played hours and hours, played throughout the whole day, all night. <laughs> I went to bed seven o'clock that night, and I slept to twelve o'clock in the afternoon. I set an alarm. Then about two hours later, I finished Pokemon Sword and Shield. So within twenty-four hours, well, a little bit, sorry, a little bit over twenty-four hours, I. You know, completed Pokemon Sword and Shield in about twenty hours. So that is that is an extreme example. I never like binge a game like that, and I've never binged a game ever since. But just uh, just the the different context of having a having a child, <laughs> and uh, also not having that uh, real lucky um, instance where I had that you know that time off. I think I actually I worked all that Friday, and then I worked the weekend too. So. Didn't happen this year. It was a, a little bit of a different circumstance, but um, I really enjoy just like, you know, every night, just a couple of hours, be like, oh, I can't wait to go to the desert area because I know there's going to be new Pokemon there. I can't wait to go to the snowy mountains. I know there's going to be new Pokemon there. And just like the, just the joy the game brought me. It was really nice. It was really nice just to be in the world of Pokemon a place and a concept and a gameplay loop that I'm really familiar with that really just fills me with joy and a love. And um, it's been really nice. And especially with everything that's been going on with the anime, Ash is retiring, his journey's coming to an end now that he's the champion. There's a lot of sort of happy emotions with Pokemon the last, um, the last year. Like it's been a great year for Pokemon. And we, there's definitely some arguments to be made that um you know game freak should have a little bit more focus on maybe one title instead of having you know some of their most different and just just experimental titles being within 12 months it's a little bit strange to come out with like legends of arceus which is a completely new concept and an open world rpg in the same year it's like how are you doing this how are you pumping out this much like space them out a little bit more they might be well they probably will be better honestly um but regardless We've had two great games within 12 months and I assume we're going to, God, I hope so. I hope they're going to slow down this year and maybe just have DLC for Scarlet and Violet, but we'll see. (laughs) But yeah, it's been just a tremendous game. It's made me feel great. It's, I've had so much fun exploring it. Pokemon is in the open world now, which I've been dreaming of for years and years since, you know, since my frustrations with Sun and Moon being so linear. It's been going from island to island to island and having linear routes. Um, I've been really enjoying it. But we can't sort of, we can't really pass what's going on with the technical stuff. And honestly, for me, as far as like how the performance of Scarlet and Violet, honestly, for me, it's pretty unacceptable about how this game runs. And I'm talking about the performance. As far as like all the crazy glitches and all the compilations of, you know, people's arms breaking and people's eyes popping out their head. Honestly, I've experienced none of that. And I think most games you can make look pretty ordinary just by putting all of these very rare instances in a compilation, put them together, put them on YouTube. You've got five minutes of like just people's games breaking and bugging out. Um, But Honestly, I don't think the game is glitched or just like broken in that aspect. I think it's just purely the performance, the frame rate, um, as well as definitely the frame rate of just how it works. And when I'm talking about the frame rate, I don't even mind that like you look in the distance 
and you see the windmill and it's going at say three frames per second, does it take you out of the experience? Yeah, it does a bit because you're looking at it being like, all right, this game is it, it is hurting <laughs> trying to uh, have this draw distance. But it's it's not so bad a thing. For me, it's mainly the frame rate, just like swinging the camera around when you're looking around. Um, for me, it even gets to the point where it strains my eyes and gives me a little bit of motion sickness to the point where it's like, all right, I need to need to have a break. And I've never really, I've never had that like on a Pokemon game. I know Pokemon games are typically, especially in the past um, with the other games on Switch, it's just like your turn-based RPGs, nothing too taxing. But this game now, when you're looking around, you're seeing what's going on, you're trying to look in the distance, you're looking for Pokemon, you're making sure that you're not missing a shiny, you're collecting items, you know, you, your eyes are darting around the screen a fair bit. There's a little bit more involved. But um, yeah, I've had a few instances where it's like, all right, I'm just feeling a little bit sick. And um, just like some other times where like textures are popping in and out, you can see through the ground, um, just like the bottomless pit of the universe. Um, it's just experiences like that, that, you know, I talked about it being a wonderful game, but there's, there's a lot of moments like that where it's like, all right, uh, I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm no longer thinking about myself being in the Paldea region, going along with my six Pokemon, catching, completing my Pokedex. Now I'm thinking about, how this game is put together. I can see the seams. I can see what's going on. I'm thinking a lot more about this being a product than this being a world that I'm just indulging myself in, which is a shame because it happens way too often to sort of really get into the gameplay and sort of really seriously think about, um, which, um, you know, they did apologize. Nintendo put out a, a tweet basically saying, look, Hey, look, it's, um, we know it's not good enough. We will be updating the game as um, time goes on. And I got, a, I think it was like a 1.01 patch. I'm not quite sure the number, but um, I think, uh, I, I don't think that particularly helped necessarily. For me, I don't think I'm, I'm getting as bad at like camera angles. Like for like in battles, I feel like, you know, the ground's not disappearing, for example. But when I'm, but apart from that, you know, the, the frame rate and all that is, is what it is still, but um, it's a it's frustrating. It really is because only three days afterwards we got an announcement from Nintendo that this game has sold ten million copies, the the most sold, the best selling, the fastest selling Nintendo game in history. This is the this is the fastest selling Nintendo game Nintendo has ever published, which is just absolutely crazy to think about. Like uh, after everything that's um, you know, gone on <laughs> with, uh, you know, their past games. I guess you could make the argument that Nintendo is truly benefiting from the Switch install base now that, you know, it's over 110 million um, sold. So this is the time where games will be selling the best in any of the series. You look at Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Animal Crossing, like they're all topping the charts because there's just so many more people with a Switch so in some ways, I guess it's not surprising for a series like Pokemon to blow past 10 million. Personally, for me, I wasn't that ex that surprised, um, but maybe surprised that it was three days instead of a week type of thing. Um, but I, I would like to see just just the game run better for such a, such a big franchise, a game that makes so much money, a game that has very obvious graphical, I guess, restrictions to make it run because I can put up with the graphics. The graphics look 
pretty bad. Like pretty bad for a 2022 game. They're running on a basically an, a 2014 Android tablet to some extent with the Tegra X chip. Um, look, fair enough. Um, at this point, the, the graphics, the Switch is never going to be a graphical intensive system. We've got some very nice looking games, but when it comes to open world, there's going to be there's going to be some concessions, and I'm happy to recognize them and put up with them um, because apart from that, we've got a great game. But to put up with them and also get a game that's just like you can see that is like struggling to just get like a decent picture onto the screen um, is a little bit baffling. Honestly, we've seen other games pull this off. You know, we've got Breath of the Wild. We've got a few open world games that, you know, pull off an open world with um, some also obviously technical um, sort of concessions as well. But you don't get it running like this game does. And it's, um, it's, frust- it's frustrating to see. And a lot of us are focused on these conversations because it's just so in your face. It's so just, I guess, inexcusable that... We aren't talking about the other things that we should be seeing in a 2022 Pokemon game. We should be seeing things like voice acting. I know a lot of people, especially in the Pokemon community, say, well, we don't need that. But I'm telling you right now, people are really sort of cottoning onto this, especially since Pokemon Sword and Shield, where we have like a a singing segment where the, 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 the gym leader is just singing, but it's silent. And we're just hearing sound effects and it's just like ding, ding as we're going through the text. And it's extremely awkward. Like at, like if, if you don't want your game voiced, uh, you can't put things like that. It's extremely obvious and just, um, it just takes you out. Like what the hell is this? Like, come on. <laughs> but there's a lot more of them than those situations in this game. You've got love, loving, just bright, colorful characters that are awesome, awesome story arcs and personality that just need to be brought to life that little bit more. And we see examples, people putting examples of cutscenes and their voice acting over them, basically showing examples of what this game would be with voice acting. And it just makes it so much more lively. And there's no excuse. Like a game like Dragon Quest XI-S on Nintendo Switch and other consoles, fully voice acted. It hasn't sold 10 million copies in five years, let alone three days. Um, The same with the Atelier series, a series that I really adore. And they were so stoked at Koei Tecmo and Gust, the developers. When that game sold, when Atelier Riser 1 and Atelier Riser 2 combined sold half a million copies, they were so excited. They put up a big celebration tweet on social media. They released free DLC to everybody that owned the game. And it was a massive celebration. And guess what? Those games are fully voice acted. So it's not a, it's not necessarily a production thing. It's not a cost thing. Of course, they will add complications to um, those things. Don't get me wrong. But for a game that is Nintendo's best-selling game, fastest-selling, well, not best-selling game, but fastest-selling game, um, we'll sell 10 million copies. That's billions. That's like a, I'm not going to do the mess. That's a lot of money. <laughs> they gross a lot of money um, with that. So that is personally what I want to say. I want to see a few more steps forward going into the next generation. I, I want to see it, you know, function just technically. And it worries me a little bit because we got, we got basically 
we don't know that much behind the scenes at Game Game Freak. We know just a little bit of tidbits here and there. Um, but I found it interesting that at the start of the year, we sort of commented on um, Game Freak, how they're moving towards a cloud infrastructure when it comes to the development of their games. And with like moving the different Pokemon models and everything just within the cloud, having a, a lot more sort of um, an easier process to design their games. That is how they basically got Legends Arceus and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet out within one year is because they were a lot more efficient. And uh, while that all sounds good, I am worried about their game engine and honestly just how it functions. Because while it's nowhere near as dire as this situation, um, there was a developer, which I'm sure a lot of you guys know, developers behind The Walking Dead, is uh, Telltale Games. And Telltale Games, they were a small developer and overnight almost, they, you know, when they released The Walking Dead, you know, zombies and The Walking Dead were big things um, within like the comics and the TV show. The game just exploded because the game was fantastic. The story, the choices, everything you could make was awesome. It was probably my favorite game from 2012. I really enjoyed it. Um, but just the engine that the, that game was built on was so just stuck together. Like there was, it crashed, it lagged, it janked. But, you know, for that type of game, it wasn't so bad because it was it was narrative and whatever. But when they started working with a few more licenses, you know, they got the Batman license, they got the Wolf Among Us, um, Borderlands. You could see the studio was ramping up. There was more games coming out. It was episodic. So when an episode come out, it was straight back to work on another episode. It was straight back to work on another episode. And... Eventually, that studio fell apart. It went kaput, went bankrupt, and a lot of it was just how in, inefficient their staff were because of their tools, their infrastructure, the engine that they use for their games, and even to the point for the end user where, you know, the Batman games, they were just, I think episode four of like the Batman game just crashed on me so many times. It just, it wasn't up the snuff, and... um. I think, uh, you know, they got too big for their shoes too quickly. They weren't able to really concentrate on the tech behind what pushed their games. And while I don't think Game Freak's going to go kaput, uh, while I don't think any of that, I just think that maybe they're moving too fast with, you know, the games that they need to put out to really put into their engines, their infrastructure, all of that. I'm I'm by far not the man to... <laughs> tell uh, professionals in the industry what to do. And I'm certainly not going to do that here, but I am, I am worried about it. You know, I, I want to see them be like, all right, we need to, we need to just the fundamentals, the engine that operates on Nintendo switch to be able to just do a, a good looking game. I'm not talking from graphics. I'm just talking from just stable 30 FPS and just at, at the end of the end of the day, just not have an embarrassing looking product. Because me as a Pokemon fan being like, I love this game. It's fantastic. It's a little bit embarrassing. I can't, like for someone who's never played a Pokemon game, who's maybe new to Nintendo Switch, who's like, oh, I've never played Nintendo before, but I've heard so many good things about so many of the games. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to recommend it to a non-Nintendo, non-Pokemon fan. Whereas, of course, if you're a Pokemon fan, you'll be used to this. <laughs> you'll be used to it being like looking what it is. So, yeah, but it's um, it's, it's sad. So 
maybe over the next few months we will see improvements. Maybe Nintendo will hold themselves to their word. Game Freak, maybe they plan to get it up and going and looking better and running better um, going forward. Um, but honestly, before they even announced the the updates and all that, like this was this is coming from Nintendo too. So whether they're telling the, the truth necessarily, whether the updates will actually help. I always assumed that, you know, these Pokemon games, they they get released. They get a couple of updates here and there, just um, just little things behind the scenes, which I don't know what they do. But apart from that, they get put out and that's it. Like, no big updates. Um, get the DLC for Sword and Shield, which was great. Um, so that might be a change in the tide of, of what's expected when it comes to Pokemon games. But I don't, I don't expect it to change. So if you haven't picked up the game, I, I guess put your, your sort of a, your buying experience based on that, that it is what it is. And if you can put up with it, um, there's a fantastic, wonderful, fun, awesome game waiting for you. But um, if, you, if you really can't tolerate that because you're used to playing on your, on your big rig, on your PC or whatever, it's, um, it's hard to go back to for sure. So definitely, definitely understand that. So I think that's my thoughts on Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. That was a long one. I appreciate you listening to it. But yeah, at the end of the day, really love it. And I'm going to spend a lot more time just doing the end game. I've got to go and re-battle gym leaders, shiny hunting. Would like to get into competitive with this one for a little bit. Um, you know, all the competitive players are starting to, you know, get into that content a little bit more now that they've all finished the game. And I'm seeing that there's actually some official po- official Pokemon tournaments popping up, live streaming on YouTube. And I really like that about Sword and Shield. So I'm keen to see a brand new metagame and seeing how they utilize um, Terratypes. So pretty cool. Yeah, enjoyed Pokemon. I'm glad I was able to talk about it in 2022. There we go. So let's move into what I'm, I guess, some plans for 2023. And of course, if you're not interested in this, it's good. It's good. Uh, good good talking to you. Um, but just for, for those that have been with the house of Mario, you'd like to hear, uh, I guess a bit of an idea about what's going to be happening in 2023. Um, I'd love just to sit down and, and talk with you because for me, you know, the last few months have been just like a real learning experience. You know, 2022, it's been a great year for me. I, I've, I've really enjoyed my time. We've like, it's been a massive adjustment to my family with a brand new member, you know, having my, my son, which, you know, being a, being a dad is just the best feeling in the world. It's, um, it's hard and it's, it's tiring. And at some times it's, uh, you know, it's getting late and he's screaming or whatever. Not every night. He's pretty good, but you know, it gets frustrating sometimes. But, um, I think just over the last year of seeing him, uh, seeing him, seeing Lucas grow up, you know, he's gone from a blob to, um, to a, to a little boy that's running around. It's uh, it's really been really eye-opening and special to see. Um, but I think that's also put a lot in my head, being like just seeing how quick time is going. And I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want to get, um, you know, too, too meta here. But, you know, typically throughout my 20s or whatever, I was like, all right, you know, I, you know shearing season typically goes from September to like early January, for example. And it's tough work. And I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to Christmas. 
like the whole time. And you, and you kind of just wish time away in some ways. Like, oh, look, I've, I've got to, I've got to do this for, for four months or so. But you know, you sort of look forward to it. And even with, um, even with like game releases, like you might be looking forward to say, um, like Tears of the Kingdom, for example, coming out May May twelfth. And you'll you'll be like, oh, I can't wait. And you sort of just like wish time away in some ways. But I'm looking at like how quick time's going, how, you know, how much my son's growing. And um, I just, I'm looking at next year being like, all right, you know, it's it's time to do some things that I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I've been putting off whether they work out or not. I'm not 100% sure necessarily. Um, But I've been talking about it like throughout basically all this year. And I think it's necessarily if, necessary if I want to keep doing like what I'm doing here with podcasts and gaming and all that. It's just like really put some time in to like, I guess, hone my craft, learn YouTube, continue doing the podcast, putting out content. And I mentioned it a couple of times, but I wanted to have basically um, Friday of every week off. So not off, but I want to dedicate Friday um, to podcasting, YouTube, and making content, learning, editing, all that type of thing. So at least starting off, I'm going to be dedicating my Fridays to doing the House of Mario, to doing gaming content, to streaming, to do all that stuff. And while it won't be like all year necessarily, depending look, as with my, my work, it's um, seasonal for the most part. That's when I make most of my money to support my family within like the shearing season. Um, there are other times of the year where it's a little bit quieter. For example, when I'm on the when I'm on the farm doing that type of thing, um, and I want to you know make sure that like all right, I'm 28 now. I don't want to be at 20. Sorry, 35, and look back and be like I wish I just took this little little clip, this little clip, this this little bit of time, you know, a day a week or whatever to dedicate to this. Because on the weekends or whatever, that's, you know, that's family time. There's no way that I'm going to, you know, get to like, I don't know, eight years time when Lucas is eight, I'm going to be like, I really wish I spent more time with him because he's growing up so fast. I'm not going to do that. Um, But I really do want to dedicate it to doing this. And hopefully within, like not within, but whether it's uh, a year, two years, three years, whether I can be like, all right, two days a week. You know, I can dedicate because, you know, I'm getting a bit more income from whatever revenue streams that I can implement um, from the content, you know, and I can dedicate more time. But it's definitely been an eye-opener, you know, having a kid being like, you've got to do it. You've got to step up. You've got to make a choice. And um, I feel like I'm at a crossroads now where, you know, this year has been hard. It's um, It's been a year where, um, you know, you know, Bryce and I, we've been doing this for five years and it, it got to the point where that season of our life was over doing a weekly podcast, which was sad. You know, um, I, I love I love catching up with Bryce and doing this. Um, but, you know, as, as far as like time sort of goes, sort of trying to match that up. And also I, I think he fell out of love with like doing podcasting and that's fine. Um but just adjusting and doing what I'm doing now, um, making it suit my my schedule as far as um, just doing it by myself and locking in a certain time to be able to, you know, just discuss Nintendo and games and all of that. I think um, it's going to be really great just for my mental health and all of that. So 
super excited for next year. I've got some things in the works that um, now that I've got a couple of days off, I'll be able to sit down at the computer and really nail out. So I hope throughout 2023, I'll be able to entertain you, inform you and just have a good time because, you know, the content I want to make is just, I just want to make content that, uh, you know, makes you happy, makes you happy, informs you, it's fun and um, just like captures, uh, you know, what we love from video games and what I want to do as well as just, you know, have the show work with me as far as my, um, what I want to accomplish in gaming and what I think you guys might find interesting. Always we'll cover the news. We'll talk about the latest games, whether they're from Nintendo or indie or otherwise, but I also want to tackle my backlog um, and talk about games themselves. I know like sometimes for me, it's a little bit, a little bit difficult because I don't have the time necessarily to like dive 20 hours a week into a particular video game. Um, and sometimes that results in just the podcast being about the industry, which I love. I love talking about the industry and I always want to inform you guys about what's happening in the industry on the Nintendo side or the third-party relations side as far as what's coming to Switch. I think that's important and fun, but it's also important to talk about like the games, the characters, the art, the everything that's involved within the medium that we love. So that's something that I want to um, tackle a lot more next year is just bring that to um bring that to the forefront as well um apart from just the uh, you know the recent going ons as far as the industry and announcements and all of that so I'll have plenty to announce next year and discuss and uh look forward to um look forward to it it's going to be a lot of fun and um going to be it's going to be a, hopefully a big season as uh in my life as far as as far as doing this it's going to be another step. You know, I always sort of um, sort of knew that, you know, as soon as I went solo and the last few months of 2022 was going to be kind of a practice run in some ways to see what it's like. Do I want to do a solo show? Do I want to do something else? You know, since I'm by myself, you know, I might as well just um, do something else. And who knows? Maybe I should, but I think I, I, think I uh, enjoy doing the solo show, been doing a, been talking to myself for an hour, just talking to the camera, and I don't know, it's good fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will end the episode there, but I, I will just say I really, really appreciate your time. Um, you know, coming to the house of Mario, listening to what I had to say about Pokemon, and um, I hope I can, hope I can um, entertain you in 2022, 2023, um, because yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> and uh, I've got some great supporters within our Discord and um, on the internet. And yeah, I appreciate every single one of you. There is not one person that uh, I don't like. <laughs> Maybe there is. No, there's not. It's not really. I appreciate you very much. But anyway, guys, that brings us to the end of The House of Mario, episode 240. You can check us out on Twitter at, uh, at Ruby. And um, you can also leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Join our Discord community where we can discuss Nintendo and everything else. But um, my hospitality's run out, guys. It's time to get out of the house, Mario. Have a fantastic holiday. A wonderful, happy, brand new year. <laughs> brand new year. I meant to say new year. Have a great new year's um, because the house, Mario, the doors are closed, mate. It's time to get out.
Yeah, see you later.